This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and... Megan Barcelia. How are you doing, Megan? Um, I'm actually really good. I'm excited for Saturday. Mm. Uh, the reason specifically for Saturday is there is a huge thing that they have planned going on at Coffee Park, which, for those who don't know, is where my house used to reside prior to that horrible fire back in October. Um, they have done, over the last couple weeks, they have strung tons of Christmas lights and put up tons of Christmas trees all on these empty lots uh, to try and make it more festive. And on Saturday, they're going to start having carolers and hot chocolate and sleigh rides. And uh, supposedly a, a, a jolly man with a white beard might appear as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how festive we can get amongst what was once a very sad place. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Hmm. It's good. I'm glad that there has been forward movement in that uh, part of Sonoma County. Yeah. I'm sure it, it uh, has been a challenge, and the holiday season is a, a good time to focus on lights and celebration. Yep. Things of that nature. Oh, speaking of celebration, I'd like to congratulate my friend Kevin Ackelman, who just uh, notified me minutes ago that uh, he taught his first lesson at Big Shot's Billiards? I know there's a, like, a, a longer title for Big Shots, but Big Shots is um, a venue in Southern California where they do line dancing. And his first lesson of Lonely Drum went well. Yay! So, go looking, Kevin! Yay! I'm looking forward to, to seeing what he does with um, his future teachers. And he says he's already asking for and, uh, and thinking about feedback. So yay. Uh, I see a, a, a long and happy... Uh, world of, of dance opening up to him uh, that he'll be able to learn more and more about. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to potentially seeing posts of which dances he's going to be teaching. Indeed. And speaking of line dance venues, we just recently on Facebook saw the year anniversary of one of our episodes from last year where we talk about the traits of an ideal dance bar. That was one of the very first sort of original lists that we looked at yep. back when we were original. And we we had gone from lots of interviews, which were already up, to just kind of talking, talking in the car about things. For our hour and 40 minute drive one way to the venues. Mm -hmm. And one of the lists that I had in my line dance binder, and I think everybody should think about having a line dance binder. Amen. Yes. uh, Full of your line dance paraphernalia. Um, We had a list about your ideal line dance bar and what sorts of features it should include. Uh, things about the floor, the lighting, the entrance, uh, whether there's... Security. Secure, exactly, that was the next thing I was thinking. DJ, uh, water. disposition, water, you know, availability of water and food. Uh, and 
we've talked a little bit in sort of a less um, formally arranged way about what would be at an ideal event. So if anybody out there has pen and paper, you're welcome to start taking down a numbered list on our behalf. But um, we've been to quite a few events this past year. Quite yeah, a few. If you just start in 2017, that yeah. starts with uh, Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. And that seems like forever ago, and yet it doesn't seem that far as well. And we aren't even done yet. We still have Worlds. We do. Which is just before the end of the year this year. Yep. Yep. That's in uh, San Francisco Bay Area. So we were we were thinking, what sorts of uh, qualities have gone into some of our favorite events, mm-hmm. and which are generalizable enough that they could be done everywhere. Like there's some things, some features that you can really only get uniquely from, say, Windy City with its Team USA versus Team International pro choreography competition. Yes. Or Vegas with its you know, six days and multiple nights of shows. Like some events are two days and they're not going to do a show of that uh, production value every night because it's just a different event meant for different uh, numbers of people from different places. Mm-hmm. So I guess starting at the beginning and, and working our way forward, if we just had a giant net that we dropped into the ocean of line dance to safely and humanely gather all of those qualities that we like and then trawl them up to our boat, what uh, what might you hope to catch? Well, kind of the obvious, but still needs to be stated, is a decent floor. It doesn't matter where you're going. As a dancer, having a good floor that's not too sticky or not too slick or has some type of, um, I guess, essentially, like, cushion or give so that it's not just like you're hitting concrete, um, that's absolutely crucial for any dance venue, event, or anything like that. But something else to consider is the size of floor. Mm. Um, depending on how many people you can fit and accommodate. Um, I know specifically at Wild Wild West, um, Michael Barr took into account and actually like mathematically accounted for this average space that a dancer would need so that he could make sure to have that much space available on the floor. Um, and then still set up like the tables around and everything like that so that people can have room to dance because I know sometimes it gets really frustrating when there's 900 people on the floor and you can barely move and you're dancing a dance that travels. Mm. Like that can be tricky. Um, versus when there's like three people on the floor and you're doing a dance in place. Like it can definitely be a little lopsided. There's a, a site online called dancedeck.com. Uh, if anybody would like to check that out, it's dancedeck.com slash calculate.php. And it says, dance floor size calculator, calculating what size floor you need for your event. And, of course, this will vary depending on uh, what sorts of dancers you have. Like you were mentioning for line dancers, some dances uh, travel and some dancers travel. 
and just because a dance is choreographed to move around a lot that doesn't necessarily mean the the folks aren't willing to keep it nice and tight however also uh it, even though um, a dance you would think was meant to stay um close in you might have some very enthusiastic energetic dancers who like to fly across the room and will take up the whole floor if given the opportunity so one little principle they say here is a, go a good rule of thumb for planning an event 30 percent of the total number of guests will be on the dance floor at any given time and then after that they have all these numbers and a grid and all kinds of fun stuff you can use to apply to your specific event so if the dance floor is one foot by one foot for each square let's see like 200 dancers 30 feet by 30 feet for a total of 900 tiles hmm. interesting mm -hmm. oh and regular quality control is important at these events because just having the floor laid in the first day is not enough no. uh, tiles move up and down screws come loose screws come loose the whole floor can travel would you like to describe what that is about um yeah actually it's very 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 common um that the actual floor will move um i know like can't remember which event we were at. I believe it was Florida, so Fitz. Um, the dance floor probably moved at least three or four feet over a couple days, um, which then can present spacing issues <laughs> uh, depending on which way it's moving. So it's definitely important to have those people there. Um, another thing is, as an event goer, just a little side note, um, if you notice a screw loose or if you notice something's not quite right with the floor, mention it to one of the event coordinators or the volunteers at least um, because it is a safety issue too. Mm -hmm. So you certainly want to be careful of that. Yeah. Yeah, there should be... I was thinking about when you're driving, the goal is to be predictable. Like the whole um, gradual acceleration, slow down, using signals, all that, is to make you boring and predictable to everyone around you. And a good dance floor should be predictable as well, so that the level of smoothness and travelability from one tile to the next is about equal. If you have just this mishmash of tiles in your collection that you're offering to an event director, and a person is sliding nice and pretty across till they get to the next one and they stop dead in their tracks because for whatever reason the, the the finish on each tile catches them differently they could get hurt and that that jarring stop can make them not want to dance and not want to recommend that event so it should just be one continuous fluid experience all the way across the floor agreed yeah. um so definitely the flooring. Mm -hmm. I think it's very, very important for lack of a better term, climate control. Because mm. some of these events can get really, really hot because you're dancing so much. And some of them can get really, really cold because the air conditioning's up too high. Mm -hmm. So certainly having some type of climate control is important. Or at least having a spot in which you know, those who are too hot can go and step outside or something like that, or, you know, 
something vice versa. Mm-hmm. I remember in our interview with Louis, he mentioned how people at some event where he was told him, you need to do this about the temperature because it's too this. And I said, all right, I, I mean, we can do that, but I, trust me when I say that when everybody gets going, it's actually going to become more like this, and I don't think you're going to be very comfortable. And they're like, well, you know what? That's that's not for you to decide. Uh, we're we're feeling this way right now, and you should do something about it. So like, uh-huh, all right. So they, they change it to match the specifications. And then, of course, people get dancing, and it's exactly as you described, and then they start complaining about the other direction, and... Sometimes you need to uh, to trust that the, the folks who have been doing this, like the DJs, and have been in this kind of environment many times for many years, uh, they know how the environment will change over the course of an event. So even if you think that it's a little chilly uh, at the beginning, maybe just kind of get your blood moving, do some of those warm-up dances that they, they like to get you to do, and then see how you feel, because they might be timing their playlist to go with something as subtle as the temperature of the room. Mm-hmm. And the real pros out there know exactly how to do something like that. Right. Yeah. Which, speaking of DJs, mm. having a DJ who knows what they're doing um, is crucial for the overall, because it's more than just playing requests. Mm-hmm. It's really gauging the room, it's feeling the environment, knowing your dancers, uh, knowing who's been on the dance floor for 10 songs in a row and who's been sitting out for 10 songs in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, did you bring them up with a really, really high energy song for the last two or three songs? Can you bring them da- back down gently without having the crash, so to say, and then pull them right back up kind of thing? Um, that's you know one of those things where having a DJ who knows what they're doing and knows how to do the playlist uh, comes really becomes really really important because overall we're there to dance mm-hmm. so without the DJ without the music it's kind of hard to do the dances mm-hmm. so that's certainly something to consider and when you're picking your DJ um, is just either a knowing who they are and seeing what they've done before or you know like potentially maybe getting a list of references or something i know it's nice getting your requests played but i like being surprised too um and the really good djs know their dancers uh it's a little bit trickier event wise uh, just because, like, if you're just throwing it in a brand new area, maybe you don't know the dancers yet or you don't know the DJ yet, so it might take some time for them to learn. But a lot of, like, the big event travelers, you know, like, I'll go to a place, say, like, uh, Big Bang, and I'll talk to Louie or JP and be like, okay, who he- would this dance work well here? Does anybody know this dance? Or is this one that I should just wait till the next time I'm in Colorado, you know, or something like that. Whereas it could also be the opposite. It's like, do enough people know this dance? Oh, this this is an East Coast dance. Like, the floor will be packed. They'll love it. Let's play it. You know? Um, 
So I generally ask them when I have a request, would this go over well here or would this kill your floor? And generally they, they know. And sometimes they'll still play the ones that will kill their floor at like four o'clock in the morning, mm. just because, you know, there's so few people out there anyways that they might as well. Mm-hmm. As somebody who sings during the week at senior communities, this actually just happened yesterday. It is a lot of fun to surprise your crowd. And one example of this that I experienced was I was doing my normal set of, yeah, um, I think for that night it was mostly like classic crooners. I have a lot that I draw from, a lot of different genres. And toward the end of the hour, as people had finished their dinner and were heading back to their rooms and whatnot, I heard, I, I probably could have just, you know, thrown out a You Are My Sunshine and called it a night, uh, but I heard one of the staff people just kind of singing to herself Rhythm of the Rain by the Cascades. Listen to the rhythm of the fall. Oh, that's terribly off-key. And I may be alone again. Anyway, I heard her doing just a few bars of that song. And I thought, you know, I have that. I know exactly where to find that. I saw it earlier today as I was going through some other rainy songs. And so you know, as I was finishing my uh, my other song, I started doing that one. And it took her a moment to realize what I was singing, but then she got a real kick out of it. And then one of the other staff people said, oh, hey, like, you know, that's the one you were just singing. And they had a lot of fun with that. And it was, um, it was that time of the night where I mean, I'd been playing a lot of songs that others knew from like the 40s and the 30s and, and 50s and whatnot. So to get a slightly more contemporary song out there was a novel for them. And then the staff could enjoy it. And then we could all just have that experience together of just knowing, like, it's okay, I got you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I pay attention. Right. It would have been different if I had finished whatever song I was doing and I was all set to do that song. And then they said, oh, hey, could you do this one? Do you know that one? Uh, could you look up this one? Or something like that. Like, I'll, I would still do it, but it's more fun when I get to surprise them. Yep. Because then, I mean, it, it almost, like, sets a precedent or something. If they're able to just have you drop everything and, and play that that song. Oh, wow. Sounds like the uh, the smoke detector is fully operational here <laughs> at Lion Dance Podcast Studios. Uh, anyhow, it's uh, it's nice to be able to, to bring that to people. And it's like that saying, under-promise, over-deliver. Yes, that's a huge, yeah. huge saying in retail. Yeah, it, it's it's more fun to be able to do that rather than just kind of respond like a jukebox. Yeah, it reminds you that you're human and, and that you can make these kinds of choices. Now the the DJs like to do that because that's something that shows their expertise. It shows their years of knowledge of music and their knowledge of the people on the floor they can show you that they're paying attention and that they, um, they're thinking about you guys. Even if, even if you, as a dancer, don't know that they're doing that, that's what their way of telling you, just through what comes up on the speakers. When you have to tell them, 
uh, or you think you have to tell them, play this one next, or I think this would be a good next one. They can maybe agree, and maybe you read their mind, but now you've reduced, in a way, in their mind maybe, you've reduced them to like a Spotify playlist. Like They don't have to have knowledge or sensitivity to what would go next best here. Um, now they're just, you know, press play, search title, press play. And that's not fun for them. They want to know that, uh, that they're respected and appreciated for who they are as a DJ. Yeah, and another thing I know, like, DJ-wise, uh, that I really appreciate is, is when they know particular people's dances. And what I mean by that is, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be their choreography, but it's, like, the ones that will bring person X or person Y onto the floor with so much joy and so much excitement, and then the couple that they can keep them on the floor for because they know they're not going to walk off the floor for this dance or that dance. Because um, it's a lot of fun when, one, you're that particular person who gets to experience that when they're specifically catering to you along with maybe a couple other people on the floor, but like you feel like this playlist is for you. Um, or it's also a lot of fun when they do that to specific people that just love dancing and you get to watch say John Robinson do like four different dances in a row and just have a different experience with each of them. Um, it's enjoyable for the people who are sitting out that don't know those dances, but it's enjoyable for the people who do love those dances and they're out on the floor. So having a DJ who knows that kind of thing is really important, I think, to set the overall mood of the ballroom. And I, I know several DJs who do a great job of that, and I would hire pretty much all of them in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are definitely things that they know and are privy to that we aren't as just attendees who come with our list of requests from our local community center class. Like, we might think, oh, well, such and such person is at this event, and I know this dance, so that will be fun for me. So I will request it. And then mm -hmm. you request like maybe three of those dances and then you're having trouble thinking of anything else. Well, the DJs know that, yes, the, the instructor is there who taught those dances and, and they, can, they can do those. Uh, if you were just at an event with that same instructor the week before, then maybe you did those dances with the person and you had a similar experience doing them here as you did there. When the DJ wants to create an unforgettable, unmissable experience, then they start thinking about how does this choreographer or instructor combine with one of the other people here? Like, you might know the ones that they did solo, but did you know that six years ago, this choreographer and that one who's chatting with his friends in the back of the room, they co-choreographed this one for the pro competition in Vegas, or not the Vegas, uh, Chicago. And like six people still remember that dance but you know when they put it on uh, it brings those choreographers back to when they were you know collaborating in some hallway or in the middle of the night or whatever it was uh, that is one of those things that will change the energy in the room 
based on what memory the DJ is trying to evoke. And you as the dancer don't know how to do that. You don't know how to, how to bring that out because you don't know that that dance even exists. You also don't know uh, necessarily in a way that the DJ does that there are dances, neither of them or none of them have choreographed. That they just absolutely love? Yes, and that they will play with because it is one of their favorites to play with. And in addition to that, just because, like, I know that we have very much been keeping track of what kind of dances are fun like that, like Hold Your Horses and Syncopated Rhythm, things that we've seen people play with. Uh, well, okay, so what do we do? We'll see that, we'll request it, we'll learn it, and then, like, three events later, we've seen some of them do, you know, the same dances at all of, the, at all of those events, and we've seen them play with it, and we've seen how they play with it. Um, and now we don't know if we want to like request those again. Fortunately, the DJ knows about these other dances, these other like classics that we didn't know were classics and things that they, that even the choreographers themselves would forget to request, uh, because it's not their job to remember all the hundreds of dances they know. But, you know, some of these DJs have a little folder on their, uh, their DJ software that says such and such person. And... I'm sure that they include dances that the choreographers have done themselves, but also ones that uh, would be really fun to see them do again because they haven't done them in 10 years. Yeah. I wouldn't say 10 years by any means because I know it's a pretty regularly done dance, but watching you, John Robinson, and Joe thompson Szymanski dance Yes You Won't. That was a fun one, yeah. That was entertaining to say the least. I loved watching what the three of you did differently right next to each other in that dance. There's so many pictures I think I took of that particular one where you're all doing the same dance, but you're all doing something completely different in that moment. And it's just, it's fun. And um, last time I checked, none of you choreographed that dance? Nope. <laughs> no, that was so, definitely Johanna. Uh, that's definitely one of those fun moments that, you know... I wouldn't have known about unless I went to some of these events. And mm. I certainly wouldn't have thought to request the dance because I haven't learned it yet. Mm. But I got to partake in something really special just by being in the audience for that, you know, three or four minute song. Like Party Night at Windy City. We had no way of either, if we did know from watching, I don't know, Facebook videos come out. Yeah, like the, there was no way we could have known or remembered that there was some event that the Europeans went to with Roy and Fiona where they did Party Night and had a great time. The last exposure we would have had to it at one of these major events would have been with Roy and Fiona. In so, Vegas. In Vegas. So without them physically present, why would we think so, to request that? Was it 11 months prior? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and yet, uh, they made the judgment call to play that one because they... They professionally keep track of who has been doing what lately and who knows what and who would enjoy what. So they put that on, and you know, of course we had a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would have to say, along with the DJ, mm-hmm. is a good sound system. Mm. Because I've been at events where, unfortunately the speakers sound like they were muffled or put underwater, and I've also had them where they seem like they're trying to blow me out of the room because for whatever reason they're so loud and not balanced and that's definitely something the more uh, qualified DJs know how to manipulate a little bit better 
but if they have better equipment for the sound system, then they, they have um, more options of maneuvering around it, too. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd also want to maybe make a mention for if they have, um, depending whether it's the sort of event that needs it, MCs and people who are on the mic for the purpose of keeping the energy up, keeping people excited, letting them know what's coming up next. Because DJs can do that sometimes if that's what they feel like doing. Like sometimes a DJ might just be in the mood to be left alone and hang out in the booth and play music, depending you know how much sleep they've had or what you know what their last meal was. And uh, I have loved being at events where somebody's full time job just about is interfacing with the DJ side of things and also the dancer side of things. And they don't even necessarily have to be the event directors themselves. Often you will see the event directors take that active role, but uh, there are also some instructors who have just been doing this so long that they're naturals on the mic, like Jamie, Jamie Marshall. Oh, gosh, she's a hoop. Yeah. And having that sort of beacon of energy and enthusiasm really inspires all the other folks uh, who are there to get out of their seats, whatever was going on you know, for them. Because sometimes the song isn't enough, and sometimes the volume of the music isn't enough. You need a, a human person making comments and uh, telling short anecdotes um, to, to knock you out of whatever text you just received and, and be present in that event and remind you why you're there. And uh, I think you know, it would be great if everybody could do everything, and uh, you know, event directors could also DJ and could also MC and could also teach classes. Uh, but for those who are like very specialized in this, uh, I would definitely encourage event directors to seek them out and bring them to their event so that you know, they can uh, provide this for their their dancers if nobody else is available to do that. Yeah. So, um, there's a few people that come to mind that really make an event enjoyable Mm -hmm. for me. Um, there's actually several people, Mm -hmm. two of which one, uh, one you've already mentioned, Jamie Marshall. Mm -hmm. I love her on the MC side of things. She is an absolute blast. Um, I like that she's been doing this long enough that she has the kind of relationship with all the different choreographers that she knows how to play with them. And specifically them. Like, sometimes she can heckle them. Sometimes she can, you know, just uh, give very, very generous compliments to... and, And she just knows how to interact with them to bring out a really fun side in that particular choreographer. Um... So I would definitely uh, want her at, say, an event. Uh, the other is the most obvious person in the whole wide world, which would be Joe, because I just, I love this woman. I think she's amazing. Same. Um, and I highly respect her. And then there's just so many other amazing instructors and choreographers out there that I've had the pleasure of seeing all across the United States over the last year that I would say every single one of them. But <laughs> what it comes down to is really trying to figure out 
what kind of event atmosphere as an event director you would want to implement. And if I was the event director, I would certainly want something fun. I would want something um, not necessarily like easy going in the sense of like, here's a bunch of beginner dances, but I would want something as a like a go with the flow kind of feel where it's like, there's nothing too stressful about the event in for the, um, the attendees or anything like that. I know I've spoken with Jamie, I believe she said it in her interview at Fitz, which is the idea that um, as the event director, you don't want your attendees to know if anything ever goes wrong. Um, so just having that kind of personality as the event director get trickled into the staff is kind of important. Um, and knowing which staff member works well with others to capture that. Um, to really know like who compliments who and how and so it's really important when you're looking at the staff to make that memorable um, experience to have those that mesh really well together that are going to bring out the different aspects and the different sides of the particular attendees because not everybody wants to have something fast and hard and not everybody wants something soft and slow mm-hmm. um so having a good balance with the abilities of all of the amazing choreographers that we have out there is something that I know a lot of event directors take into consideration. And, you know, it's definitely something I've noticed makes an event more memorable for me is when I feel that harmony among the staff. Thing, when when there's that little bit of disjoint among the staff, you can kind of feel it as the the attendee. And it's kind of disappointing when, you know, you're looking forward to being there with an instructor because, let's be honest, a lot of the reason we go to these events is because that particular instructor is there. Mm, definitely. Um, I mean, we fly, fly across the country for that reason. You and I do, anyways. Um and so if that particular instructor is having issues, like we all understand they're human, but at the same time, it kind of makes for a slightly disappointing experience. Or if that instructor's never in the ballroom, the only time you ever see them is in passing to when they have to go to their workshop and when they're leaving their workshop right away to go do something else, it can be very disappointing that you don't get that experience even if you're sharing it with another 150 people on the dance floor, you still want that, oh yeah, I got to dance with, you know, Joe on the floor. Oh, I got to dance with Trevor. Or, oh, I got to dance with Will. And, you know, I got to dance with John Robinson on this song because I know how much they love it. Or, you know, and if they're not there, you notice it. Mm-hmm. I notice when, you know, John's not in the ballroom and they play something like syncopated rhythm. Now, whether or not they've played it four times else that weekend and I got to dance those other four times with him, that one time I do notice when he's not in the room because there's a different energy. So if, say, for instance, an instructor that you've hired is never in the ballroom, well, that's kind of the point of why you hired them, right? To teach and to be part of the staff. Mm. So it's certainly something that I think is important 
to consider when hiring your staff members is finding that good fit, that vibe that people can play off of each other and be fun and enjoy themselves as well as really connect with the people who are attending. And also managing those instructors' expectations beforehand will let them know how to pace themselves. Because if they know that they're not going to be asked to participate in some major production on the end of the last day of the event, then they might put more into their teaching and get crazy with it, make that really memorable. Um, if they know that that sort of thing is coming up for them later, then they might play it a little more vanilla and save their social energy and um, just their you know acrobatics for when they have to do something especially challenging later in the week. Also, just thinking about the shows, there's so much psychologically that goes on when an event offers something like a performance, at least one of the nights, because for people who are like on the fence about this whole line dance thing, they're coming to maybe their first event, they're not sure who these people are or why they should care or why they should spend so much money to go see them. Seeing them at their best at a performance where they don't have to worry about how much space they're taking up because you know dancers are around them or they don't have to worry about what kind of style of music is happening so you know they they can or can't do this song because it'll kill the floor or it doesn't match any of the other music that's on the playlist when they're performing their solo all of that goes out the window they're just doing them at at their peak ability that can show the dancers this is why this is why your ticket was worth the money. Like, this person can do this. Aren't you glad that they are within feet of you when this song is over and you can go say hi? Uh, it also offers, in addition to that, the ability um, or, or the opportunity for instructors to sort of humble themselves so that they don't scare everybody. Because you might see this amazing, talented person doing all these crazy things that you would you know, have to do for years in, in practice at home before you could try that on the floor, you might see them do that, that kind of stuff and think, they're so far beyond me, we couldn't even possibly relate. Like, they don't know, they, they probably don't even have a sense of humor. They're probably just, you know, in the studio all day, every day. So uh, I'd be afraid to talk to them. I'd, I'd bore them. And then you see them do some, like, silly thing in, like, a costume or or weird narrated story for, you know, a medley of dances and it takes them back to that level of, hey, we're all here just to have fun. Like, I'm not here to show you how amazing I am and make you, you know, give me an autograph, to, uh, a picture for me to sign. Uh, you know, I, I'm here to dance with you. That's one of the great things with line dancing. It's not just performance all the time, it's participation. And we all get to feel like we're participating and performing, uh, you know, when it's our song, that uh, that's being played, the one that we feel confident in, and we can feel like we are out there at the Saturday night show being Rachel or Roy or whomever. Mm -hmm. So with those performances, you get both aspects. You get like the high end of the spectrum of like, isn't this person a superstar? Don't they deserve like every bit of the intro that we've given them? And look how fun they are. You should totally go check them out when they're selling t-shirts and maybe take one home. Uh, right. Also, it it shows people that the instructors are are the sorts of people who are willing to put in the extra time that we don't see between classes rehearsing for this kind of thing, because 
yes, people could just say, oh, I'm contracted for this date. Okay, well, I'm going to show up, teach the same stuff that I would normally teach at home, and then I'm going to go home, and that'll be the last you see me for three years. And that's fine. If, if that's all that people want from that instructor, then that's all they're going to give, and maybe the energy that you, you feel around them is that professional. But having the performance as something people can opt into um, it it really shows you who is willing to do the extra work because they love this that much and who has all the energy that it seems like they do when you see them dance because um, some people like you know that they would do more if they could like Rachel, it seems like you know, give her three extra things to do and she'll find five. <laughs> True story. Yeah. Um, so so when you see people on staff performing, you are told kind of without words, like this is this is their home. This is where they would be every day if they could be, and um, this this skit that they're doing with as small of a role as they have is something they're going to put 110% into. Yeah. Um, I do know that I like the performances mm -hmm. as the attendee, so I would certainly want at least one performance at the event. Mm -hmm. However, I also know that like when you have like 10 performances like at <coughs> Vegas, for instance, I'm sure these poor instructors are so beat because they run from one lesson to the next to the next, and then they have, you know, whatever rehearsal for the shows and plus if they're trying to get any co-choreography done plus tons of them do private lessons and you know so it's like so a lot of chances that they would have to rest and eat so that then they could be at their optimal for the social interaction they're you know unfortunately not um, some of them are still the professionals that they are, and they still give you 110% at every possible moment, no matter how much they're dying. And for them, I admire them, and I respect them, and I appreciate all their efforts. And I know a lot of people um, have given feedback that they don't like their performances, and so they made it more of an option this last year at Vegas. Um... I made sure any chance I did and have since then uh, to tell people how much I appreciate them taking that time out of their schedule to rehearse to give us something. Um, so it, it just kind of a side note for those who do enjoy the performances. You know, if you have the opportunity, definitely take a moment and thank them. I, I know they would appreciate it because that's a lot of hard work and practice on such short notice, too, like to throw those some of those very intricate uh, performances together that they only had the two days for an hour and a half total to put together. And that alone just tells you how talented these people are and how amazing they are. And it's it's something that I think does certainly add to an event, having some type of little show uh, with that said I also really like at least one theme now whether it's one theme that's kind of spread across the whole event kind of like how um, 
Florida line dance classic was Winter Wonderland, so they had a bunch of Christmas lights, and they had some Hanukkah decorations, and just tons of different, uh, you know, holiday, wintry uh, kind of decorations around the area. Then they had the one night that was the theme night of Winter Wonderland. I really enjoyed that. I liked the idea that it was all through the whole event, and you had the option to dress up if you want or not. And um, for anybody who hasn't seen Joe as Mrs. Claus, you missed out because she was adorable. Um, and then I, I want to say Rachel as the Snow Queen because she had a little bit of fun with her Lip Sense products. Mm -hmm. And what products was she using for that? <laughs> well, Lip Sense and uh, Shadow Sense specifically. But... Um, she had, you know, she did a really good job on her makeup and it just kind of like having the character theme there helped and it kind of just brought you to this extra special little memory spot. Um, you know, maybe, I mean, I personally really, really enjoy all the themes at Vegas because you don't have to dress up for all of them. You can choose to, they're not, you know, like mandatory or anything like that, but I really do enjoy uh, participating in, in them. I know the White Knight looked really, really cool at um, the, what was it, the White Vegas? white Gala or something like that. I, remember, I don't remember how they worded it, but it was, you're supposed, instead of like um, a black tie affair, it's supposed to be all dressed up in white. Hmm. Um, and it looked really cool in the ballroom, looking out and seeing everybody wearing white dresses and white shirts and, you know, just kind of really being one giant unit as they were dancing all these dances. It, I think it really added to it. And it's really fun to see what some people come up with with some of these themes, like how they dress up and whatnot. So I would definitely consider having at least one theme and one show for an event just to make it that much more memorable. Mm -hmm. But it, it burns the look of the event into your memory more easily because you remember, oh yeah, I did that dance next to that person. That was when Joe was wearing her America antenna balls or something like that. Like, you remember, I, I know uh, we've talked about like the lighting, how you remember the way things looked under certain lighting. Like, I remember specifically some dances that we did when the Christmas lights were turned on on the Christmas trees on stage at Florida Line Dance Classic. Now, the rest of the nights, the lighting was pretty standard. Like, low, overhead, whatever chandelier, fluorescent thing they had going on. That could have been Florida Line Dance Classic. That could have been, um, you know, maybe Motor City. That could have been Big Bang. That could have been Fitz. A lot of those... It really could have been Fitz, considering the fact that it was the same ballroom. Exactly. <laughs> um, a, a lot of those can, in your memory, kind of run together when ballrooms have similar dimensions and similar... Uh, default decorations so when you go the extra uh, step and have specific event decorations like this was the first time we saw the colored lights come out for Vegas uh, even, that was cool. even then having the white night um, sets it apart from the other nights when the colored lights were on because that's when the white would be illuminated in whatever color they were standing under that's different from when everybody's street clothes are being changed color to whatever, because then 
it all kind of looks like a nightclub. So that's like several nights of nightclub, even though as a whole, the colored lights made this event seem different from other uh, events that didn't have colored lights. The white night specifically reminds you of um, colored evening gowns and colored lab coats and whatever else people were wearing that was white. Right. Um, and as you brought up, lighting. Lighting's crucial, I think, because just having it in, you know, broad daylight with fluorescent lights overhead, um, yeah, I mean, it's a dancing event. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It works. But when you're able to create the atmosphere with lighting and change it, um, people are able to experience it differently. They're mm -hmm. able to be, uh, so to speak, more vulnerable in how they express themselves on the dance floor, uh, as well as they're willing to play more because they're maybe not quite so front, spotlight, center, you know, everybody look at me, please don't, <laughs> you know. Um, they're able to kind of get lost more in their moment and really make it their own um, as opposed to just being one of the masses. Yeah, and sometimes that's something you can control, and sometimes you just kind of have to go with whatever is uh, is available to you. But like like we were saying with the white um, outfits, you can do little things like have people wear like Portland their color. All yeah. the instructors had a different color that was representative of them. So maybe you can't do as much with the physical light fixtures themselves, but you can change what light bounces off of people's clothes by encouraging them to wear a certain color of clothes. And then you remember that one night when everybody was lumped together in red behind Rachel, and then the other, you know, Team Niels was all in blue. And, like, where else are you going to have that kind of memory of a dance floor with these mobs of people all following around somebody in purple or green or something. Right. Yeah. And it's fun when a majority of the people are wearing one of those four colors, you get a really interesting feel on the dance floor when there's so much of such a primary color then, you know, like everybody's just wearing everything. Mm -hmm. Right, because that could be anything. That could be, a, you know, us at a boots and buckle social. Like, yes... This is an environment where everybody's wearing dance t-shirts, so that's different from like walking through the mall, but it's not that much different from walking through Centerville Community Center on you know the second or fourth Friday of the month. Right, exactly. Um, any, any opportunity, just as a general statement, any opportunity to give people that unforgettable moment that, uh, that reminds them why they go to these events? Like if, if they only come away with you know, a, a handful of these moments that they can tell their friends about that is great you know word of mouth advertising and it really gives people something that lasts for them as opposed to something fleeting that could have been any random wednesday you know this tells yeah. them come to events so kind of briefly touched on it mm -hmm. uh but decorating mm -hmm. it's crucial to me like I love walking in and being bombarded by Christmas trees. I love walking in and, for instance, a Boots and Buckles social, something very basic at our you know, community center. Um, and, you know, you walk in and they spent so much time putting decorations up to fit whatever the theme is 
on the walls and they hang some type of streamers from the door so you walk in and you are immediately met with this here you're entering into this world I love that um, it's so much fun I loved at um, Colorado the Pikes Peak where a bunch of people had their chair backers and it was all decked out in 4th of July stuff and you know it's like it just it allows me as an attendee to get lost in it as opposed to yeah our theme is this but here we don't have anything yeah it's up to you to bring the theme we just tell you the theme and you have to do it yeah um i it's not a whole lot but i know all the different ballrooms at vegas this year had different colored balloons Hmm. um and that was kind of cool that was like oh oh this is fun (laughs) you know and so you kind of got to get just that little bit more lost in that particular moment in that particular room. Uh, also, it reminds you which room you're in for people who aren't as good with like words or concepts like what is emerald, what is crystal, what is you know, majestic. You might not be uh, English as a first language speaker, but you remember, oh, it's the purple room. Go, right. Let's go to the green room. Right, exactly. Um, that, I think, decorations are big. With that, I also like the idea of tables. Mm, love them. I really do. Um, tables and chairs kind of like, it gives you that home base feeling, uh, which I think is kind of important. I think that allows me as the attendee to get more invested in the event as an overall when I feel like, oh, this is where I can put my stuff. This is where I belong. This is my home base. I can now venture out and do whatever I want and be wherever I want to be and talk to whoever I want to talk to and dance on whichever side of the floor I want to dance on. But because I have that in the back of my mind that I have a spot where I belong, I feel like I now belong at this event. And I'm able to socialize with people that I maybe never would have been able to beforehand because we're sitting at a table um, and get to know people around me. I do like that feeling. I liked that at Palm Springs. I liked that at Detroit. Um, I really felt like that gave me a place in which otherwise would have just been a sea of people. Mm-hmm. And so I like the idea of having the tables. I mean, I would definitely don't want to lose the dance floor space just to have tables. But if it can accommodate both of them... I think it really does add something to the event. Mm. And as you mentioned, with the home base, you can explore more and you can uh, take risks. Like we've talked about when you have a friend with you, it's almost like they're your mobile home base. That even if you go out and talk to all these new people because you're telling yourself, okay, I got to go meet new people, uh, you can you can have those awkward conversations and think at the end of it, oh, well, that didn't go as expected. But you, you know what? So-and-so is here and they still like me. So... <laughs> You know, you can you can um, take those kinds of risks that help you grow as a dancer and as a person, and you know, ask questions you normally wouldn't ask, and uh, and just kind of see what happens. And all those let's just see what happens things also help you make those memories because if you're playing it safe the whole time, then every safe experience is like every other. Uh, when you take risks, you have more opportunities to have your first time doing things, first time dancing next to this choreographer or first time co-choreographing somebody that you didn't even think was interested in, in doing something like that. 
Um, and then it reminds me of the thing that you see on Facebook once in a while, take more chances, dance more dances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it certainly helps. Mm-hmm. Um, something else I actually really, really enjoy and would want, say, like at my event, is some type of meal included. It helps so much. Um, it really does, because, I mean, it, sometimes it's so hard to find the time to eat, as sad as that sounds, because it's crucial to dancing so that you have fuel to actually keep dancing. Um, and I know, like, we've, I've been to events where lunches is included, mm. and you get to sit down with the choreographers and other people. I've been places where dinner's included. I've also been, you know, to places where dinner is an optional inclusion in which you pay for. I like having at least something uh, for whether it be included automatically, obviously, is really, really nice because that's not an additional charge. But I also like the idea that it is an option for the couple that I've had to pay for because I just feel like I get, oh, ha, if nothing else, at least I know I'll eat on Saturday night. You know, <laughs> I, I know that. I know that. I'll have a good meal, a nice, you know, filling meal at that point. Um, and more often than not, those meals are really good. Uh, so I certainly like the events when those are included. I like the idea that I get to interact with complete strangers. And then after I'm done with dinner or lunch, they're not strangers anymore. Mm-hmm. I also like being able to sit down at at the tables with the choreographers. I think that's something that's really special. Uh, It's a little bit tricky in the sense like at some of the bigger table because it's hard to have necessarily a conversation with someone that's not sitting right next to you or if you're lucky enough on the other side of the person next to you and the three of you are having a conversation. Um, It's much more difficult when, you know, there's four people in between you either way. And, like, you're talking at each other across the table because you don't want to have that imposing conversation where, like, everybody at the table has to listen to if they didn't want to participate, if they don't feel like they had anything to participate in. Um, So that's certainly something to consider. I know for event directors, it it can be tricky trying to find the right venue that covers all the bases. Like, as close to an airport is nice. But uh, even just making sure, like going on Google Maps and seeing, um, especially when you've been at the venue before and you know what kind of uh, prices the hotel itself charges at their restaurants, if you can check to see if there's something nearby, it, it can help just offering something, even if it's not your Saturday night $60 dinner or whatever, um, letting people know where they can go for affordable food will make the open dance experience so much better for everyone because you will take your hunger and your anger about being hungry and your resentment at whoever you think is to blame for you not having eaten and you'll bring that into the ballroom with you and you'll find yourself like oh no I don't want to do this one like I usually would but I'm just not feeling it right now and not only does that prevent you from enjoying it the way you normally would have but maybe somebody else enjoys the way you do that one. So now you've taken that away from them. and You think, selfish, selfish person. Exactly. Shame on you. <laughs> Eat something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's a Snickers. No. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so having that kind of thing available, I think, is, is really important. I do like the events that have 
the here's some places you can go uh-huh. and here's here's what I would recommend too. Like we got we got a couple good recommendations I think while we were in Detroit um, from a couple of the people who had been there before. Like oh there's a really good place right across the way that has really good burgers and really good salads and whatnot. Uh, and I think that helps too getting that word of mouth. Where would you recommend eating? A uh, little bit trickier when it's no one's been to that particular event before because it's the first time ever. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, you know, if you, it is the first time for that event, you've at least scouted the area a little bit more. Saving that amount of time also really does get important as the day gets on because if you have a large group of people and nobody really knows where they want to eat and they're all thinking about it and then they're all trying to Google something and maybe somebody doesn't have signal... And then somebody has dietary restrictions, and they don't decide to mention that until, you know, know, things can go around in circles, and by the time you finally figured out where you want to go, it's been like 20 minutes into the dinner break, and it's an hour break. So you still have to get there, order, get your food, finish eating, have your wrap-up conversations, drive back to the venue, and now you're a half hour late for open dance, or whatever it might be. Like, when you just have it solved immediately so that you're ready to go to whatever place you were planning to eat. Or if the dinner is provided, you just show up and stand in line. Um, Whatever it is, make that decision as quick as possible because at these events, it's not about the eating, it's about the dancing. And, (laughs) And even things like eating, as necessary as it is, can get in the way of what you're really there for. Yeah. Oh, and also a quick note uh, about... Oh, and another quick note. So one thing would, that would be nice to have as maybe like a little tutorial or, or seminar or whatever um, at some of these events would just be how to use Uber Eats, how to install it on your phone, how to look for local places. Because that's something we discovered recently, and it's nice to have that as an option. It really saved our butts in Vegas. Just so you know, you want to be out at the door waiting for them, because otherwise they will drive off with your food. Yes. <laughs> you have to start all over. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that was that was that was our our learning curve mm-hmm. in Vegas for Uber Eats. And it makes sense because if they're off the road, you know they're not making money. They're not making more money by waiting for you longer. You're stopping them from getting a, a potential fare. And also, just to let people know what Uber Eats is for anybody who's listening to this and has no idea what we're talking about, it's like Uber for food, where people will you know, like you order something from some food establishment just at their normal prices. And an Uber person will pick up that food, bring it to you, and then charge whatever small fee uh, goes along with their their transportation as though they were bringing a person. Yeah. Essentially, it's um, just you can have delivery at anywhere Mm -hmm. through Uber Eats. Yep. And it makes it easier for them, too, to transport food rather than a person because they don't have to clean up after some loud, belligerent, drunk cheeseburger. (laughs) <laughs> well you don't know <laughs> crazy things happen in Vegas <laughs> um, so let's see we've talked about flooring we've talked about temperature we've talked about DJs and sound system and lighting mm-hmm. talked about themes talked about staffing talked about food mm-hmm. uh, decorations specifically I want to give a very special shout out to Boots and Buckles for a couple of things that they did one recently at their holiday party was they had little stockings on the walls and they had the names of their members. Because you can either be a member or you can just drop into events. We're definitely going to be members in 2018, regardless of how many events we go to. I just 
want I just love that idea that it's so small you know it's your name in black and white on a little Christmas stocking made out of paper on the wall but I want to be on one of those stockings <laughs> it's a good group of people and I want to be among them I do know that when you had your special teach that was the other one I was they mention. printed out all of your set sheets that were on copper knob and posted them all over the walls which I thought was a special touch on different colored paper yes yeah so it uh it, it was as though you know they were they were putting up any kind of decorations, but it was very specific to what was going on that day, which they're very good about doing. They are. You know, they whatever's are. happening then, uh, they they had one of those um, boots and buckles shirts nights, uh, as country quick steppers did uh, when we went to that event. They they had uh, all these different like paper hangups of the country quick stepper shirts that made me want to get a country quick stepper shirt because I didn't have one. Uh, with Boots and Buckles, they put up different years of their shirts, which at some of these events, like I, I remember there was one overseas for Guyton, and there were different decorations based on different looks that he's had uh, or different dances that he's done. And I thought that was a nice look back at the history of Boots and Buckles, seeing the different styles of shirts that they've gone through. And the theme for us was to wear your Boots and Buckles shirt. Right. Um... Trying to think of what else I think helps. Oh, kind of the obvious as well as water. Making water readily accessible is crucial. Mm. Um, yeah, free water. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally. Uh, also, icebreakers. Uh, it might seem silly, but I like the little bit of encouragement that you get from your instructor saying, oh, talk amongst yourselves or give the person next to you a high five tell them you did great or you'll be fine <laughs> or you know whatever it or might good be. luck yeah I, I like having that encouragement and that permission from somebody besides ourselves to talk to the other person by you because you might want to you might really want to say hi but you might be shy and you're afraid that you're bothering the person who's there especially when some of the um some of the events have, like, the, for Vegas, it says, you know, um, no thanks, I'm not interested, I'm just here to dance. It says that on the back of your name tag. And I think it's intended to ward off vendors who are very aggressive about giving you their flyer in the hallway. Uh, but if they're accidentally twisted around that way, if the name tag is facing out and they're they're just in the social area, they, they want to talk to people, somebody might see that and think, oh, they don't want to talk. I'm not going to talk to them. They're, they're not interested in talking. So having these very explicitly stated opportunities to talk to the person around you, uh, we can always just blame it on the instructor. Ha. Yeah. Um, oh, I just had it, and it ran away. It was very sad I'm seeing it go. <laughs> um, oh, no. Oh, there it is. Yay, I found it. I caught it. Um, one of the most memorable things to me happened in the beginner ballroom. Mm. So I think it's really, really important to have a beginner room uh, for people because when you're first starting out, it can be extremely intimidating to see some of these people on the dance floor dancing. And it can almost, depending on the individual, be discouraging. Like, oh, there's no way I could ever get that good. Whereas if you're in the beginner room, among friends, among like-leveled individuals, you feel a camaraderie that allows you to not feel alone. 
and not feel outnumbered by the sea of people that know this advanced dance. I thought having an ice cream social one hour before the regular social dancing started, having the beginner ballroom open an hour early with the ice cream social was brilliant at Pikes Peak. First of all, who doesn't want ice cream or root beer floats? Secondly, it brought so many people into that beginner room so that then they weren't outcasted. They weren't like, oh yeah, no, that's your side of the floor. This is our side of the floor. There was no segregation there. It was literally people got to come in and they got to sit down at all the tables that were in that room because that's where they had the tables. And they got to eat their ice cream and enjoy the dancing. The beginners got to still do dances. People who knew those beginner dances got to go out there and do them. Um, I, I know that that was just a very memorable experience for me. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Because one, I got ice cream. Because duh. And then two, I got to dance. And I got to just, you know, it was, I got to dance with friends. And it didn't matter to me what level of dancing it was. I got to just enjoy myself and be present. And I know after the fact, I had people coming up to me and thanking us for leading walls. And that meant the world to me because I always want to be useful at these events. I want to do whatever I can to make it better for as many people as possible. So the fact that just me being in that room to get ice cream and dance helped somebody else's night as well. Like, that's, I mean amazing and I love it and I'm so grateful that they offered that at Pikes Peak and I think it's a, just a really good idea and it's a nice way for people also like the dinner or like the lunches to sit down and just get to know somebody mm -hmm. yeah I would also encourage well for for anybody there's a there's a, um, a, a slogan I guess I've seen on posters uh, it's really intended for a different effect at senior communities. It says, like, if you see something, say something, and you're supposed to call your ombudsman. I think it's called ombudsman. And if you see something that you think needs to have attention brought to it, you're supposed to call that number. And usually it's for, you know, a different sort of thing that you might be seeing. But I think if you are an instructor or an event director or anything like that, empower and encourage people to do more things like wall leading so that people can sort of have their little corner, their little section of this is what I brought. Um, this is this is the thing that made me feel like it mattered that I was there. If you ever see uh, an opportunity, and because like one of the things that means a lot to me is when I see something like the ice cream social, and I have that feeling of oh that's so nice. You really didn't have to do that. Anytime I see that, when the D DJ plays one of the songs like Mahala, <laughs> one of my competition dances, like I wasn't expecting that. I thought that was really nice. They didn't have to do that. Right. Anytime you see something like that happen. Tell the person who did the nice thing, that was really cool. I'm so glad that you did that. Whether it's the wall leaders or the DJs or the event directors with their ice cream or one that I thought um, was kind of right in line with that was Detroit with their their little bowls of candy everywhere. Oh, because my gosh. It was, this, this event was superhero-themed. It happened right around Halloween, so you know there was a lot of, uh, a lot of candy um, stuff out. Uh, and anywhere you went, there was some little superhero head with the top head, the top of his head cut off, and the trick or treating bins. Exactly, yeah, the buckets, and that again was like that's so nice. They didn't have to do that, 
And when you are surrounded with that feeling of, wow, I can't believe this is offered here. They didn't have to do that. You have this abundance mentality. And out in the real, you know, the outside world, you know, there isn't enough to go around of everything. Oh. Yeah, you know, there isn't <laughs> enough money. There isn't enough time. When people take time, like Rachel, you know, breaking down how she does dances on the back of an envelope, um, and I think, wow, that's so nice of her. She didn't have to do that. Oh, I was thinking in Northwest Line Dance Blast, all the floor splits she called out so mm -hmm. that everybody could dance. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in her contract it didn't say, must do this many floor splits. That was just one of those really nice things she didn't have to do. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Or uh, Joe dancing to the bumper music at Florida Line Dance Classic in her Mrs. Claus outfit, right. which I don't know if she in intended to dance in because she had a change of outfit right after that. right. And, you know, that's exactly it, is getting out there and calling out which dances to do, mm -hmm. you know, so that everybody can dance, because you can dance to music as long as it's got a beat, you just got to find the right dance to pair with that song, and, you know, having that opportunity is something that I won't forget, I really enjoyed doing that, I liked being out there for the, the bumper Christmas music and doing random dances that I was like, oh, I never would have thought to pair that with this song. And it works really well. I'm now going to do that now. And we were thinking of like, what Joe dances would people know? Uh, what's another one that uh, could go with this this rhythm? And then she suggests K is for kicks. And oh my goodness, talk about that's so nice of her. She didn't have to do that. Like that knocked me out of my my Christmas slippers if I had been wearing them. <laughs> like uh, that that was just one of the many ways that Joe gives you that feeling of like. She she goes she like Rachel goes above and beyond in thinking of what's what's what am I looking at? Who's the person on the other end of this conversation or next to me on the dance floor and how can I make that person's night or event better? So when you as, you know, just a, a random dancer see somebody wall leading or doing whatever it is that they're doing, holding a door open, getting water for a person, point it out and it'll keep happening uh, we were talking just the other day about how well if that's the kind of reaction I'm going to get for doing this this thing or wearing this thing or you know making this choice maybe I'll do it more often and <laughs> that was a direct quote from me by the way <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know, if, if people take their time to try something new and, and take that risk of well what if I what if I do try this extra thing that I don't have to do if nobody does anything about it, nobody says anything about it. Well, I guess that I guess that it didn't really matter that much. It didn't. Nobody cared about it. So I'll just save myself the time and energy, and I um, mean, just do whatever I was doing before. You you need to say something if you want to perpetuate these kinds of behaviors. Yeah. Also, uh, before I forget, um, we mentioned icebreakers earlier. I think just in general, having a sense of humor. There's so much tension that builds up at these events with learning new dances and trying to remember them for three hours until open dance starts and so much stress about you know all the things you you want to do while you're in the area and all the places you want to go and people you want to see and all the instructors you want to take classes from humor helps so much and boots and buckles they will tell you to your face you know okay here's a bad joke from the internet uh before we get to the raffle and i love it judy does it too at hers yeah 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 like, here comes your bad joke for the evening, and I look forward to it. I do. I really do it, because they're so cheesy. Yeah. Um, and they know it. They know it. 
Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, it helps. It helps relieve some tension um, and just kind of set up for the next thing. The other thing is, I like the raffles. Oh, yeah. I oh, like the potential of winning things. Yes. I will spend way too much money on raffles just so that I can win things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have been very fortunate over the last year in our earnings. Mm-hmm. Not only have we won um, several event passes. Uh, we have won several prize awards. I think you took home the cake at uh, Florida Line Dance Classic. Oh, when I won the 50-50? When you won the 50-50. Mm. Yes. Uh, and I think that just, that helps. It adds to it. And it's a nice way, people want, they want to help and they don't know how, they want to keep the events going, but they don't want to just, here's money. So if they have a chance to win something in return, they don't necessarily mind putting in that $5, or in your case, more than that. Yes. Um, but it paid off. It really it did. It totally paid off, because you had to buy that many because of where the ticket was that won that $50, the 50-50, uh, where that was in your strip of tickets, you had to buy that many. Mm-hmm. So it justifies it in a way for us when we win something that was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm really glad I, did, I put in that money. And then it's like any other addiction. Well, what if I win again? Mm-hmm. So here's more money next time. Uh, and it's a nice way if you do the 50-50 to do here's money to this, here's money to that. Um, I did appreciate that the 50-50 in Detroit went to a charity. Mm. Oh, K-Step for Kids. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really nice added thing to it where it's like, like you had said earlier, they didn't have to do that. They could have kept that 50-50 money mm-hmm. and here they are giving it to a charity for kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was really cool. So I think something like that would be nice as well. Obviously some of the smaller events or the events that are just getting going that 50-50 really does help for next year. Uh, but if the, you're able to contribute to charities, I think that's a huge thing. Um, and I, I, I know that that's something I, I believed in beforehand, but has especially rang a little bit truer and nearer and dearer to my heart since the whole fire situation. And just people's generous actions mean the world to me. So seeing that particular one was really cool mm-hmm. and being a part of it too because I don't I put in money because I tried to win passes so yeah speaking of uh, Detroit's raffle I liked that they okay so um, at Fun in the Sun and at uh, well I guess the format was a little bit different in Florida Line Dance Classic um, the idea is you get first pick of whatever event pass is available so um for that, you know, you everybody buys tickets into the same pot, and when they call your number first, you choose whichever one is out there. By the time it gets to the end, and they, you know, the last person's number gets called, they just get whatever event pass is left over. However, that random, obscure, out-of-the-way event might be somebody's first pick. At Detroit, what they did was they had all the buckets out corresponding to each event. So if everybody wanted to go to Windy City, everybody could put their ticket into that. But if one person wanted to go to, say, Barnanza, then they could put their one ticket in there 
and win that uncontested. That's their first pick. That's where they absolutely didn't want to miss all year because it's 10 minutes from their house or something. And what a shame it would have been if somebody from Canada who wasn't planning on going won that event pass just because it was you know the last pick of the draw and you know oh well I guess they'll find somebody who you know who is planning to go and they'll just give it to them but that's so much extra work for the person who wins what they wanted to win was their first pick which was you know, some other place uh, having having it broken up in that way gives everybody a more a greater likelihood of winning something they want mm-hmm. yeah no I totally agree because you're you're also able to put more tickets into different things too. Yeah. So like, if you really really wanted Windy City and you have ten tickets, you can put nine tickets into Windy City, and then one into another one mm-hmm. if you really wanted. Or you could put all ten into the Windy City, whatever you know. And that's of course that particular event is just the first one I thought of. Um, but like you said, I mean, who knows what people want to go to because of what their schedule looks like. Mm-hmm. I know for me, um, I don't remember which one I wanted to grab. I think it was Fun in the Sun, actually. And I ended up with Hotlanta instead, which would have been great had I been able to get that particular time off, but I didn't have that accessible to me at the time. I had the time during uh, Fun in the Sun. Fortunately for me, both are events that are held by Jen, so I messaged her and asked, and we arranged for some things so that I could use it instead. So bless her for that. I really appreciate that. So that is also another option, is if for whatever reason you do win something at one of these um, 50-50 or whatever raffles that um, you might not be able to go that year, um, you can definitely contact the event manager and see if there's anything you can do. Or then, you know, you can always give it back to them and have them, you know, help somebody else. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, that is one of the little small prizes that people can offer if they they are trying to think of, like, what are some other prizes to add for our, like, local class or whatever. Just have a, a, a... little gift card for a future admission to the dance like it's not going to cost them extra to have two or three more bodies on the floor um especially if it's a uh, a, a pass for bringing one of your friends for free then it's not taking money away from uh let's say you know one of the regular dancers is saving 15 bucks because they normally would have paid but now that they won this free thing they don't have to, so that could cost the event people, oh no, $45 at the, the local social. If it's a bring a friend free card, then the friend might not have gone at all if it hadn't been free. And now that it, it was free for them for the first time, as we know with line dance, it can be addictive, the next time they come, they have already experienced um, a free trip, so they have positive associations, positive feelings with it, and they learned to dance at that first time that they came. So they want to do that dance somewhere. And they better pay the $15 to come to all the subsequent socials so that they can keep doing that dance. Mm-hmm. Also, the name your dance card so they can do that particular dance. That's important as well. Boots and Buckles offers that. So that uh, if you win one of those, after they draw the 50-50, they, they hand out these cards... Uh, everybody has you know a, a fair chance at the request list. And you can initial your 
choice of dance next to the name of the dance, but if you really want to be sure that it gets played and nobody has put an initial down, then you can just fill out one of those name your dance cards and it's guaranteed. So, one of the things that I think really, really adds to an event, and maybe not necessarily for the people who are at the event, but it does add to the event, is the idea of, like, for instance, Seven Arrow Films and their live feed. I love the idea that that is accessible at so many events so far. Um, one, for the one or two that we've had to miss, I really enjoy watching. I like tuning in. I like seeing what dances are being done. I like being able to see my friends and people I care about having fun and really enjoying themselves as they're, you know, dancing on the dance floor and really experiencing it. Although I wish more than anything I could be there, it still kind of gives me that sense there. But one of the fun things that, as someone who was at an event, it was really cool when we were at just this last one with Florida Line Dance Classic, and they were live streaming the competition because I was able to talk to a bunch of friends back home in California and let them know, okay, we're going to be up in two dances. Oh, you really need to watch this particular choreographer because they're, their stuff's really good, even though we haven't seen them um, on the West Coast. And, you know, so it's such and such. And I'm able to communicate with them, and then they're able to watch. And then they're able to experience that with us, even though they're in a completely different state, in a completely different time zone. And I think that's definitely something that's been added to a lot of the events uh, on the East Coast recently. Yeah, you mentioned Seven Arrow Films, and I really like that they photograph things. That's one of the things that I make a point of doing when we're at Line Dance Club, is doing a group photo, because... Having a photo of something proves that it happened, and it proves that it, that you were there. So, like the end of the night informal selfie at the DJ booth, it gives us that little extra validation that like we were at that event and and we stayed the whole time. For anybody who is part of that photo, that's the feeling they can have. And for some people, that might be like the best photo of them is on. Kelly's yeah Kelly's uh, big professional camera because how often do we bring our first of all buy something that expensive and then go to a friend and say okay uh, take these photos of me dancing but make it look casual and then also um, just try to get like really good angles I don't know if you know what good angles look like but you know figure it out Google it because uh, and make sure the lighting looks good oh yeah yeah balance it all you know, make sure that uh, that nobody's in the background stand in the right place. And, and know that w this expression is coming because this part of the song is coming. Just you know, look online for, for that part of the music. And uh, having, having all of what they do available to us as an option for us to add to our post-event experience uh, package, uh, you know, if, if we wanted to buy photos or videos of things, that really dignifies the line dance scene. I know at... Um, Stoney's sometimes Ben G photography comes out and again that can be somebody's best photos when he's just kind of walking around the dance floor taking pictures of them whipping their hair around uh, their friends have blurry smudgy uh, smartphones that have been sitting in their pockets all night 
So those aren't necessarily going to give them the results uh, that this professional photographer can give them. So it helps the photographer because it gives them more in their portfolio and, and it makes it look like the events that they go to are fun ones, so you should hire them for your event. Um, and it makes the people who are being photographed feel like stars, you know, being photographed in the same quality as one of the people up on stage. That's actually pretty much the conversation I had with Kelly when I purchased a bunch of photos over the last year. Um, I did it in one lump sum because I figured I wouldn't, you know, this was the last event that I would see her at um, for the year. So I knew that now I could go back and look at all the events I've been to and just go crazy, in which I did. And I purchased several, several pictures. Um, and I downloaded them to my phone and my computer. And so now I have them. And there's some really funny ones because she's good at getting us in the moment of where we're playing and being ridiculous. And then there's some amazingly beautiful poses and moments that just get captured because she's really good at what she does. And I know when we were talking about it, she, you know, she had messaged me and thanked me for placing an order because obviously, you know, that's a really smart business move, but also she was grateful. And I told, I immediately turned around and said, no, I don't think you understand. Thank you. Like, I don't think you know what it's like for me to have these pictures of these moments, of these experiences, of these memories, um, they mean a lot to me to have the picture in general, but then to have such a high quality picture is something I'm not used to. And it's really, really valuable to me at the moment to have those pictures. And lo and behold, I took it to the next step, had picture books made of them uh, through Google Photos and somebody received them for a Christmas present. <laughs> so I, I think it's a brilliant idea having a professional photographer at your event to capture these moments. Because uh, it does, it adds just that extra something that then you can go back and get these amazing quality photos. Or, I mean, there's even ones where I'm like, oh my God, she got a picture of that? What in the world <laughs> you know but you have to buy it because it's that funny or something like that and it just certainly adds to the memory of that particular event for the goer and so I, I would definitely have to say having the live stream and the photographer at an event would be really beneficial I think there's a, also a balance uh, between on-camera time and off-camera time where each can feel special in its own way at events. Like like I mentioned earlier, everybody has that dance, that one dance that's like, oh, this is my dance. Like Even for people at the bar where they finally got the hang of Copperhead Road. They finally know where to do that turn. And they feel really good about it, and they, and they request it to the DJ because they, they aren't sure it's going to get played. They want to definitely have an opportunity to do that dance and just rock it out and then sit for the next eight songs. Um, that's their dance. Same thing at events. If people have an opportunity to w learn whatever it is, whatever their big challenge was for the weekend at a workshop or maybe they did personal homework, 
when they have an opportunity to be somewhere in the range of um, the live stream camera, then they can be out there and say, I am on record, I am, I am documenting this occasion, I am going to do this dance now. Observe. <laughs> and then they can do whatever it is, Ain't Too Cool, Sugar Honey, whatever, whatever their, their dance is. Uh, it, it gives them that rotating ability to perform in a way uh, for those four minutes, but also not have to be on staff. <laughs> Because, you know, the people who are on staff, it's almost like, you know, they have to perform every single dance that they do because that's what's almost just expected of them. They're supposed to have all this energy, all this enthusiasm for every dance. And honestly, like, some of my favorite choreographers are the ones who actually do have that. It's just inside of them, which is how they got where they are. Uh, and then for other people, they only like three dances all night, but those dances are worth it for them if they get to do them. So for them to step out and do oh mama hey or something something that like they never thought they could do up in the front in front of the camera with their friends back at home at the country bars watching you know maybe it's their first ever major event and here they are like taking it like a taking to it like a fish in water that is a great opportunity to provide to people um and then when they see that they're getting positive feedback, they took that chance, they were brave, they got out there, they put themselves out there, and they see the comments, like, who is that person? I've never seen them at an event before. I hope they, I hope they come back in, into the range of the camera because you know, I want to see them do another dance. Like, that's the kind of thing that makes them want to keep learning dances and stay involved in the scene. It is also, like I mentioned, balance. It is also important to have that sort of off-the-radar, undocumented time where anything can happen. Past midnight, past the time that the live feed is turned off, maybe there are a few photos still being taken, but maybe not as many because the floor looks kind of empty. It's nice to know you can get away with just about any variation, any playing with your local Jono, uh, on a dance that travels all the way across the floor and maybe includes a quarter of the steps that were choreographed into it. <laughs> Are you calling us out on skipple time? <laughs> maybe, who knows? Could be anything. Uh, having that bit of time also lets the instructors feel safe. Like they don't have to be on with perfect technique and be judged for taking you know somebody's work of art from... You know, the 1980s or something and and recreating it faithfully and perfectly now they can say you know what how much can I break this and that not get in trouble for it that's what um, that's what that little off-camera time can give you and honestly sometimes just the beginner room can give you that because if there's no live stream going on in the beginner room then who's to say what you did in there you know and uh, if it's an all request room you can pull out some weird stuff like uh, like Don't Look Good Naked, one of Eddie Huffman's dances. I don't if look good naked anymore. If only you followed the train anymore. of my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you set that one up perfectly. <laughs> well, what happens in the beginner room stays in the beginner room. <laughs> and we're all at a beginner level for one thing or another, so you, know, you got to start somewhere. No, um, anyways. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you, if you want to do that local very regional, only two of you know it from your bar dance, 
you can do that there and you don't have to worry about how oh great we just killed the floor now the live stream makes it look like nobody's here and that's our fault and they'll never let us do that again you can do that when nobody's filming and it doesn't matter as much and everyone's just there to have fun yeah absolutely um and i know like i i have finally gotten to a point where half the time I don't remember the live feed is going while I'm dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Until somebody comes up and points it out later and I went, oh, oops. Well, I hope they enjoyed whatever the heck was going on because heaven only knows what variations I threw in where. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know for me personally, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from the live feed and so it does encourage me to keep dancing and keep finding new ways to add in variations to dances and really make it um, one of my own. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the live feed is, is absolutely a benefit. Sort of in tandem with that, something that would be really helpful is a running list available to the public of all the dances that are being played in the ballroom. This would I be, like that. This would be very helpful during the live feed so that people at home can kind of go window shopping for dances they want to learn or teach. And afterward, people can remember what dances they did when, like which night, with whom, what song was used this time versus when they song changed it the next couple times. Uh, it, it also helps them remember, this one's a really good one for doing West Coast, because I remembered watching so many couples doing West Coast stuff out in the corners, or two-step, or swing, uh, East Coast swing. And... For whatever reason, that just isn't made easily available. Maybe people aren't asking for it as much. I know that I just do it recreationally. I write down every dance, including when they sneak something in uh, by surprise. And I think more people would like that at an ideal event. Just sort of like you know when they roll the credits at the very end. Here's everything that you did. Oh, and that was another thing about um, the photos and videos that are taken at events like this, it reminds you what you did that at that event. Oh yeah, there's... You, there's you a, can forget after six days. Yeah, there's certainly that. But also, there's a lot of them that I was going th- through of us that I was like, okay, name that dance, because I have no idea what we're doing right now. And then there's other ones where I'm like, oh, that is clearly this dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some poses just aren't replicated in, in other dances even as variations like you will only see them that exuberant when they're done to the particular song and the particular dance right yeah um and i know that with a lot of learning the the learning really sticks afterward like you can study you can cram for a test and put it into short-term memory but then after the test is over there there are no long-term connections formed you haven't forced your brain to check in and create another point in the bridge uh, from one end of the river to the other. You know, so nothing lasting stays. It's like when a spider goes back and forth across the same uh, length of web over and over and over. It's going to make the, the strand that much thicker. And if you only go across it once, it's just going to blow away in the wind. So having that reinforcement afterwards of, oh, that's what I did. I'll need to remember to review that one later. You can forget that there were ones that you were supposed to uh, go over just as homework. Like, I, I listen to some of the dances that are on our, our Spotify playlist, and, like, 
I did that once at full speed, and then I forgot that existed. <laughs> and then there are others where, for whatever reason, just saying it the one time afterward, like, oh, yeah, remember to do that when we have the, uh, when we have the rec center. Uh, we're going to want to go over that dance. Even if we've only gone over that dance one time since the time we did it full speed, we are going to feel that much stronger on it when it comes to the ballroom. If we only do it the one time ever, then there's nothing. There's just nothing there. So having a review of the event afterwards, uh, whether it's photos, looking at the workshop schedule, I like that we do reflections, mm -hmm. um, playlists, activities, uh, all of that reinforces, yes, this happened on this night. I won't forget that. Uh, and I'll, I'll see if I can you know, invite that same person out to dinner. Uh, or I'll, I'll need to remember to go over that dance so that you know, we can do it with them next time because that one really meant a lot to them. It can blend in so easily with every other dance if you don't take that extra time to create the, the data point in your mind. Yeah. So a couple quick points. Go for it. And I'm going to list them, so hope that you can help me remember to go back to talk about them. Demos. Demos. Greeting at the door. Greeting at the door. And then the last one is vendors. Vendors. So going back to demos. I know firsthand how terrifying demos can be <laughs> as I have recently experienced over this last year but I also love doing them and I love seeing the dances to know which ones I want to take because I can look at a, or I guess a schedule and be like okay well chances are I'll probably want to take the dance from Rachel over this person I've never met before's dance. But I'll wait until I see what the other dance is. And I've actually found quite a few dances that I've wanted to learn um, besides who the one is teaching it. Um, and I've done those classes instead of taking, for instance, the workshop from Rachel just because she's Rachel. Um, I've also done the idea of, okay, I'm waiting. I've been on the fence about learning this dance myself. Let me see how they hit it with the music. And then maybe, maybe I'll really in person go, okay, no, I really want to learn that dance. So having the demos out there. I think is really important. Um, I felt like I missed a lot in Vegas when they didn't do the demos the last couple nights and they did the shows instead because I didn't know what dances were being taught when and where and what they looked like, what they even sounded like because, you know, once you're there and you're so caught up, I didn't have the forethought to go, oh, I should play that song on Spotify. I should look up that step sheet and find out what that song looks like or what that dance looks like to see if I want to learn it. And then after that, go, oh, man, that's a really cool dance as they're reviewing it in the, you know, they're playing it again later that night because everybody just learned it earlier today. It's like, oh, I really wish I would have known that that dance was there. Now, yes, Vegas is nice and they offer it in the hotel room on your TV. But if for whatever reason you don't have the option of, accessing that you know it's nice to have those demos to see what they look like uh to make sure that it is something that you wanted to learn or you didn't want to miss out on i personally 
really, really enjoy being part of the demos. I think it helps when you have more than one person out there demoing because you can see different styles and maybe you might connect with, for instance, if you and I are out there, someone might connect with your style more than mine or someone might connect with my style more than yours and that is what encourages them to learn the dance. Whereas if it was just me out there and they prefer your style, they might not learn it. So having a couple people out there for the demos I think really helps. Um, I think it, encouraging people to demo with the instructors also um, gives people the sense that they are welcome out there. Because I know that Scott would have wanted people to come out and demo feel with him. But what precedent has been set for random dancers going out and demoing with instructors? It's very unusual. Right, exactly. Like, we, we only have been Fortunate. blessed enough to, to do as many as we have because we're pests. And, and we ask them if we can. Yeah. <laughs> Or we go, hey, we know that dance. Did you want us out there? And they'll go, sure. Mm -hmm. More the merrier. You know? And generally speaking, you know, there's a few people that I don't mind going out there, um, you know, and helping demo and whatnot. And then there's others where it's because I don't have that relationship with them. I'm a chicken. So I hide. So honest. I'll be honest. I hide. <laughs> regardless of how well I know the dance because I may have taught it the week prior. <laughs> and there are some people who I would want to see do it just because it's their favorite dance. Maybe they're not instructors and maybe they've never uh, done something as in front of everybody's eyeballs as a demo before. But if you just tell them like, hey, I saw you do this one last night. Do you want to come out and do this with me? Because I, I love the way you do it. First of all, hearing that from an instructor, oh boy. the choreographer of the dance, like, gah. That might freak them out right there, but like if they're still willing to do it after that, like having the opportunity to share a dance they love with all of these other people so that maybe it'll get requested more often and you'll have the opportunity to do it more often, like that is something that you should take advantage of if you have one of those dancers out there who loves your dance and right. is willing to do it with you. So yeah, again, with the encourage and empower people to showcase how much they love dancing that dance by bringing them out there into demos more regularly perhaps yeah I, I mean I know that by being asked to be in a demo is huge for me uh, versus me offering is still big um, I, I feel so much I guess again like I said I've, I've always wanted to be useful I've always wanted to be helpful mm -hmm. and so I'm always willing to do that but to have the choreographer come up and specifically seek me out, it's like one of the biggest compliments you can get as a dancer, mm -hmm. in my opinion, is a choreographer wanting you to do their dance. Like, specifically you. Not just because they like the dance and they want to spread the dance, but because they want you to dance it is huge. Mm -hmm. So I know I personally really, really enjoy that. And, I mean... Case in point, we learned to dance, what, an hour before we had to go and demo it? Mm -hmm. um, I've learned beginner dances two minutes before I've had to go and demo it. And I am always willing to try and pull off something like that for any uh, p potential choreographers, instructors that will be demoing at any of the events that I will be at. Um, just give me enough leeway time if I don't know the dance. Yes. <laughs> and... I think it's fun seeing everyday people out there, too. Definitely. Because, I mean, you go out there, you know Rachel's going to slay the dance. Yeah. Even if she messes up, 
She's going to look fabulous doing and it. And you're going to want to learn the mess up so that you can do the mess up like her. Right? Exactly. Um, but it's fun seeing someone that you can relate to get out there and do the dance. Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, I get it. That's probably what I'll be looking like because there ain't no way in heck I'm going to look like her. I'll probably look closer to that person, you know. And then they can see themselves and actually visualize themselves doing the dance and enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the whole point, right? Mm -hmm. So I would definitely want demos for, you know, each of the dances, at least a couple walls, Mm -hmm. and just really have fun with it. Greetings and vendors. Yes, greetings. I think it's really cool. I know Jamie says she does it at her events. And we experienced it at um, Motor City. Mm-hmm. I really liked how all of the staff members were at the door when they opened the door for the first time for the open social dance, and everybody funneled through the one door, and they had to walk in this, in between this row, these two rows of all the choreographers. And it was really like a soul cool. train, almost right. It was really cool. It was it. <sighs> It had this feeling for me, a very nostalgic feeling of when I used to play soccer and the parents would do the tunnel afterwards so that all the kids could run through the tunnel and like just get really, really excited that even if they lost, they still got to run through this tunnel like they were champions. And so it just it made me feel very good about walking into the ballroom, being greeted by so many f- wonderful and familiar faces and some new faces too, and just with excitement and encouragement that you're here, yay, yay, let's dance, let's get this going, let's get this party started, because you're here. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, that really left an impression, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. it's another example of, like, you know, when you're part of the group photo, <clears throat> when you're included in the group photo, and you're like the quiet person in the back, but you still feel good that you were included, there's that feeling of, I am welcomed, I matter, I am special, it's important that I came. And that feeling is not something that a lot of shy people will tell you is important to them. But when they are given that feeling, they are going to keep chasing it. <laughs> and <clears throat> having experiences like that and all the little ones that add up, like all of the, that's so nice you didn't have to do that, all of those experiences, they accumulate. And kind of like um, the saying, we've probably mentioned it on the podcast before, about... Um, like comedians or just you know when you tell jokes and things um if you say a funny thing then you said a funny thing but if you say funny things you are a funny person so it's the idea that all of these little experiences add up and something as small as just standing at the door instead of sitting at the dj booth or wherever an instructor might otherwise be at the start of open social dance that little bit extra makes the person who walks through and paid for a ticket feel like oh so and so person high-fived me they 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 probably saw that i'm wearing their shirt and that person might not have seen your shirt but like (laughs) you're gonna put that in your head because you got the high five and now you feel like you know they they maybe they even kind of like you so you can you can dance that dance that's theirs that's your favorite behind them and to the right where they might not even see you but you'll know you're there (laughs) yeah all right. those little things they're gonna they're gonna add up to an overall experience of I'm glad I came I'm gonna bring my friends next time yeah absolutely and I, I just think it like you had said it's oh they didn't have to it's that going that little extra bit it takes you know 
five, ten minutes extra out of the day, but it makes an impression that is a positive one, and it reinforces the idea that money well spent, I'm willing to spend it again. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. Last but not least for me is vendors. I think it's really important to have different kind of vendors at these events, whether it's the shoes, whether it's um, a lot of people have like the jewelry stuff. Some people have candles and and, like tons of different things. Um, I love when the choreographers are allowed to have their own tables for their shirts because I'm a big, big advocate for wearing choreographer shirts. That's most of my dance wardrobe at the moment. Um, Because I love proudly wearing these choreographers. They are my band t-shirt. They are my favorite movie t-shirt. They are my actor t-shirt. They are my famous person. I don't even wear superhero shirts anymore as much as I wear these these choreographer shirts because they're kind of my superhero too. It's exactly it. It's they. I support their brand that I'm willing to wear their shirt. So I think having the vendors there, having having um, the instructors be able to be their own vendors, I think it's really important. I think it adds to the events. Um, I love walking in. And, for instance, at Florida, since it's the most recent one in my mind, seeing Fred shirts and Darren shirts, and neither of them are at this event. Um, I love the idea that I was able to purchase a Dustin Pieces t-shirt. Like, I was really excited that I was able to get that. Um, Having uh, Super J-Mart. Love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. John does such a great job on all of his jewelry. Having Rachel there with her lip sense helps me as a lip sense distributor to learn more things. But also, like, when I need to buy something last minute, I've bought something off of her. I've also bought something off of Jamie, you know. Um, Jamie with her jewelry as well. I think it's paparazzi, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Um, I could be very wrong, so I apologize if I am. Uh, Having those there... I think it just really adds to the event. I know in Vegas, I bought a pair of shoes. I also bought um, a boogie bag off of Michael and Michelle. I've even, I paid for a couple massages in Vegas because they had people there to do massages as a vendor. I think it just really adds to it. I also very, 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 very much appreciate the food vendors Mm -hmm. because I like food. Regardless of how little I actually eat, I love food. I really do. So when it's right there and it's easy for me to get to, I will eat it. <laughs> so uh, having the food vendors certainly helps as well. So you mentioned shoes. My dance shoes came from vendors at Windy City, and then my orthotics came a month later from Vegas. Yeah. If I if I were left to my own devices, having to like shop and compare prices and all that, like it just wouldn't happen, and I'd be dancing in sneakers. But because they were there at the event, I thought, well, they must know what they're doing. I mean, they're coming specifically to this event, so I know that I'm not getting, like, shoes for tango or salsa or swing or some other random thing. Like, they're catering to line dancers, so they, they're, they're probably safe shoes to buy. Right. There's stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have an issue, because so many of these vendors travel to all these different places, chances are, for instance... 
I got my orthotics in Motor City, and then I saw them, what, like, a week and a half, two weeks later at Vegas, in which I bought another pair of shoes from them. Mm. So, <laughs> actually, technically, I bought two pairs of shoes from them in Vegas, but one for me. Um, so, I was able to get a new pair of shoes from them, too, because at that point, there's that brand loyalty, that I got such good customer service in Detroit, so why wouldn't I continue to pursue the cut you know it's a whole thing mm. but i think it's important to have the vendors and it's a nice way for one you can it's a little additive for the people who go there but two you sell the vendor spot which also helps make the event more money which then allows for you to continue doing the event so it is important um to have those and it's kind of nice to treat yourself when you're on vacation you turn into vacation mode and, you know, what I eat on vacation doesn't matter. What I, you know, buy on vacation doesn't matter. I'll pay for it and deal with it when I get back home to reality. So, for now, I'm just going to indulge and enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. One of the things that came to mind when you mentioned about greetings was the quote, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. And then that led to this other quote which appeared, sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Aww, that's sweet. Um, like you, because you're short. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take whatever I can get. No, because um, <laughs> again, I'm short, so I don't have much reach. No. Um, is there anything else that you could think of that we haven't touched on in these last few minutes? Oh, I'm sure we could probably come up with a whole another two-hour episode on all the things we didn't talk about, because there are a lot of things that a lot of event directors and all the people involved um, have done right. Oh, my goodness. I'll just quickly say, having opportunities for volunteers to yes. come in and help, and maybe that helps them with their event pass, maybe it covers it. Uh, or maybe it just gives them something that they feel like they can do, because they aren't able to do as many dances as they want. They have a health issue, or mobility issue, but they want to feel like they were really there and they weren't just sitting doing nothing, maybe have them help out with packets at the registration table. You know, having some way that volunteers can help if they are willing and able uh, really just helps everyone. Uh, Pre-registrations, I I like knowing that my spot is secured uh, when some of these events sell out. Uh, I like having a room block uh, at a discounted rate for event attendees. I like having the uh, proximity to the airport uh, so that we're not on a shuttle or an Uber for nearly an hour, uh, even though it's to maybe a, a safer area than near the airport. Um, it's it's still nice to just have the convenience. Uh, essentially, like make it as easy and effortless as possible for people to spend money on your event. Like have them click two buttons and and you know they just all they have to do is show up. Uh, I like the online store that JC Dance Productions does. That makes it very easy to use your credit card or whatever you're using. Like if you have tax write-offs through um, you know, being a small business as a dance instructor, then maybe having more of a paper trail, like like an online invoice or, or whatever it might be, um, that that will all uh, end up in in their tax portfolio. You know where where it is that uh, they keep track of this stuff. Uh, like I said, like I, I could probably just sit here and like think of, you know, make sure that the time of year uh, has uh, cheap air flights. Uh, make sure the time of year has nice weather for people to go out and see outside the hotel, if that's your thing. Yeah. 
and you're not there 100% for the event itself. Blasphemy. No, I'm confusing. (laughs) Um, Maybe connect with people who teach local lessons and do a pre-party night at one of the local country bars, because we've loved doing that. Yes, that was Um, was really cool. Having a post-event dinner where people can just kind of decompress and talk about all the most memorable time... Uh, times that they had at that particular event, especially as compared to previous events, and then maybe get feedback in person over pasta uh, regarding you know what to, what to keep for next year, what maybe to consider changing out for next year. Classics, encourage classics being taught as opposed to oh, just gosh, new dances yes. all the time. I love when, uh, when uh, instructors are allowed to keep an older dance around, especially when it's a good one that maybe was even before its time. Uh, having it stay around in circulation for people to see now, it, it keeps us all from feeling like we're behind when we're trying to learn everything. Yeah, I, I think if I was to do an event, I would want them to pick one classic. And it doesn't even have to be of their dances. Like, it really doesn't. Just a classic that they love that they would want to teach over having them have to have a brand new dance or all new dances or anything like that. I would rather them recirculate a classic dance right now um because again those are going to be the late night dances that get played that if you're choosing one that they love they're going to be there they're going to not want to miss it and they're going to want people to enjoy it so having that as an option to be learned is is a benefit i think Mm -hmm. um have a lot of beverage options in addition to uh water because I know that sometimes when people are, you know, drinking or taking shots or whatever, sometimes it's just like they want like a different flavor and they don't, for whatever reason, just want to do like soda or something. I know I would love a good solid fruit juice. If there were like a fruit juice or a fruit juice smoothie, um, I would be drinking those down all night long. Uh, It's good for keeping your energy up in like a a healthy way and it's just flavored. Sometimes water can be kind of boring and your system doesn't even register that you're drinking it. Um, and just having something with flavor would be nice that isn't, you know, a $5 Sprite at the gift shop or something. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, the flavor is absolutely, but also you could do, like, if you have, like, say, pitchers or anything like that uh, filled with water, you can do a couple with, say, like, lemon or cucumber in them. So it does flavor the water, so you're still doing the water, but it has here's half option and then for those who can't have citrus or whatever here's just regular water uh, have something physical that people can take home as a memento even if it's just their name tag there are some places where your name tag is stuck to your shirt and then when you peel it off it gets all gunky and you want to throw it away but then afterwards you wish you had kept it because that was all you had from that event if you have i a, like name tags a physical for sure. yeah like a physical name tag then you can have a collection um, at Detroit, we got wristbands, these like silicone jelly wristbands, uh, like the Livestrong bracelets. Uh, at, at Pikes Peak, we got little enamel pins that were in patriotic design because it was around Fourth of July. Having something physical that you can you, you can say is yours and put on your shelf is also free advertising for that event. Anytime somebody comes over to that person's house. Yeah, very true. I know originally I was collecting all my name tags. Mm. I, I will continue to do so, but I will be just missing a few. Like the dance shirts. <laughs> like a few dance shirts, but it's okay. Yeah, have a dance shirt for your event as well. Even if you don't think you're going to sell all of them, the few, the proud that have that shirt 15 years later are going to be glad that they kept it. And uh, it also makes you ready for an instant theme night when you're coming up with something 
and you're like, oh gosh, well we can't do Hawaiian because you know, we can't order this in time, and we, it's not a holiday, so we can't really call it like a Christmas theme. Well, let's just make it a shirt night, and then that's your theme. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we're way over time, but like like I said, I could probably just. I mean, I, I love chatting with you about these sorts of things, and and we could probably find all all kinds more things that uh, we would want to see at events. And maybe in a future episode, we will. Also, fun fact about this episode. Yay, you were going to mention it. Yes. Um, so we've been doing this podcast for a while. It started out as just interviews, and then when we would label the file name, it would be like LDP01 uh, for you know whatever the first interview was. And then you know the, the interviews are still going on Tuesdays at, I think... Somewhere in like the 80s, uh, the, the, the live ones are only up to about the 60s or 70s, I think. However, because we do multiple segments on Thursdays, the numbers on those rise faster. And we started uh, a different naming convention for those, which was it would be like LDPX01, X52. Today, uh, we are on, for this episode, LDPX100. Yay! Yay! So thank you all for listening Sticking to with us, us for in our ramblings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, when when we were mentioning about the on this day of like ideal line dance bar um, attributes last year, like we were just talking in the car on the way to things, and here we have like a fancy USB microphone, right. and we have audio editing software, and, and we're new on lapel mics that don't new rattle. lapel mics. We're on Move Radio. Um, like we're 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 almost kind of like sort of legit, resembling legit, right? Yeah. And it's kind of crazy to me because I think on when you shared it on Facebook, I think someone commented about and they mentioned some of the stuff that we had listed or whatever, mm. and so they're still listening to it. So thanks. <laughs> yes, if you also just kind of throwing this out there for the diehards who have listened to, to us at two minutes and five, two hours and five minutes, uh, if you have any ideas for the podcast that you would like to see we have been thinking about you know all kinds of different things we could add features that we could add and even just little ways like if you if you're somebody out there who just kind of wants to show your support in some like tangible way we don't really have a way for people to do that uh we thought about like doing like um challenge coins the way some podcasts do where you can just buy this sort of commemorative looking coin and whenever you're at an event you can say hey check out my cool coin. And you'd be like, thank you so much for supporting the podcast with your $5 donation or whatever. Uh, or just, you know, ha- having uh, like a, a Patreon the way so many other podcasts do, uh, you can make that like a specific level of donation is, you know, you get this, this, and this other thing, or you get advanced access to episodes. Any ideas that you have, uh, feel free to let us know because we're very happy with things as they are, but we are always um, looking to do more. And I, I listen to so many podcasts where people say they started out with whatever their job was and then their side thing was X. And then they just kept putting more and more time into X and they found out, you know, if we sold X, we could probably do even more of that. And then eventually X was what they did and they were just so much happier. Yes, and I would love to do this all the time. Yes. Yes, anything involving this dance world... Um, let us know if if you need a DJ, if you need an instructor, if you need a choreographer, if you need a social dancer, a social dancer to keep your ballroom and uh, open and your DJs amused. <laughs> I guess uh, you just let us know because we would like to do this with as much of our time as we can swing. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right. Well, for Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio this week, this has been Christopher Gonzalez with Megan Barcelia. Thank you once again for listening. We will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.